Well, welcome to all of you, and a special welcome to Anthony, who's here to uh, talk to us about caring for students. Uh, Anthony knows something about students. He's a longtime teacher at uh, Myerstown Mennonite, and in addition, he is raising a delightful family. Um, currently, Anthony is working for uh, Christian Light. You know, Paul David Tripp says that you can't get to a child's head without going through their heart. Uh, another way of saying that is it's, it's hard to teach a student if you don't care for a student. Um, and we don't care for them just because we want them to learn a lot. We care for them because they're people and we're interested in nurturing them into the sort of people that, that love God and, and love their neighbor. So uh, glad that you're here, Anthony, and uh, we'll stick around uh, and hear what you have to say. It's your turn. All right. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining. And God bless you all. So the title that I was given here is More Than Science, Caring for the Students' Emotional Needs. I'm sure you've spent days and weeks preparing for and focusing on math and science. And you know what? That is your job, of course. This is not an either-or question. This is a both-and and so I don't want to in any way lift caring for students up above what it should be lifted up, um, above the level of importance. But I do want to emphasize that this is not an either or. So by caring for the needs of your children and emotional needs and caring about that and pursuing that does not diminish your responsibility for the science and math and and and. Excellence does not need to suffer because you're a passionate teacher when it comes to the needs of your students. In fact, I would suggest that really caring for your students creates a context where you can do well with teaching content. And if you fail in caring for the emotional needs of your students, really the best of teachers is going to be less effective in the academics because of forgetting about the importance or caring enough about the importance of the emotional needs of your students. So what are the needs of your students? Well, I'm sure you've heard many lists and I'm not gonna really give a big list, but I do have a few things in particular I wanna talk about. What are the needs? Well, what did Jesus help us understand are the needs, emotional needs of children? And I just find this story to be so beautiful and thrilling, I wanna share it with you from Mark chapter 10. One of the few places where we see Jesus interacting directly with children. Of course, you know the story. But the context here is Jesus was just, uh, had been that day, I assume, tempted by the Pharisees being asked questions. Uh, they then, in the house, the disciples asked them about some of these issues that they were talking about and possibly interrupting that discussion. Jumping in now, verse 13. I'm going to read a few verses. And they brought young children to him, and listen why they brought them. That he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, the familiar beautiful words, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever should not, shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. 
and he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. What a beautiful picture of the hands and feet of Jesus in relation to children. And what impressed me is that they expected that Jesus would touch them. So I think it'd be reasonable to conclude that Jesus interacted with children before, and people saw the heart of Jesus for children, so that they expected if they bring their children, Jesus will take time to interact with them and bless them. So number one, think a few things we learned from Jesus, and the heart of Jesus in all of this is obvious. He had time. Jesus had time for these children. It even displeased him that somebody would think that Jesus wouldn't have time. A time is of the essence. Teachers are busy. We got lots to do, classes to prepare. I'm substituting kind of last minute here at a different school than I've ever taught before and teaching classes I never taught. 12th grade chemistry. So I'm, you know, in the books late at night, early morning, trying to catch up with what I need to understand and know. It takes time. I'm finding it challenging to not just be so wrapped up in my studies that I'm forgetting about, I'm teaching children here. I'm teaching high schoolers. Now, obviously, as a substitute, I don't have many opportunities to really bless them, but I still have opportunities. One of the needs for children is that they feel valued. And that's one way that we show children that we value them is when we take time for them. So the time that Jesus took met a need, an emotional need of the children, and the need to feel valued. When you take time for your students, you communicate, I value you. I saw a poster one time, I think it was maybe here at our school, and it said, if it wouldn't be for last minutes, nothing would get done around here. Well, last minutes are very important, but folks, I'd like to encourage you to save last minutes for your students, so to speak and that you prepare on ahead. So when the students walk in the door, you're not busy moving around, you're off making photocopies yet, you're quickly deciding what you're gonna have for devotional. You have time for the children. You prepared your classes and you show value when they walk in the door and you greet them and you have time for them. You show, I value you, an important part of the emotional need. Jesus longed, I believe, for this opportunity. I believe Jesus wanted this to happen. So as Jesus was, was ministering to other people and this interruption happened, it displeased him. I believe Jesus in his heart longed for this opportunity. It's like, yes, let the Pharisees go. Let the adults go maybe and bring the children. I want this. I long for it. I can just see the heart of Jesus reaching out with longing for these children. He desired to connect with them. I think that meets the need of belonging for children. When we long for them, we want them. We want them close to us. Children want to belong. You want to belong. You want to belong to your faculty if you're a teacher. You want to belong to your church community. You want to belong to your friends. We know this is simple things that we all understand. Deep in within us, we want to have a sense of, I belong here. We're uncomfortable when we don't. I'm experiencing that some right now. I taught at the school where I'm sitting in right now for many years. This year I'm not, but I'm here so I have good Wi-Fi. I walked into the faculty room 10 minutes ago 
and I felt like I, I don't belong. Now, everybody was nice to me. Oh, welcome. That was nice, but it didn't really help. I don't belong anymore in the way I did for all those years. Some of these are my former students. I know them well, but I just don't really belong anymore. And, and there's a side in which that can be emotional and kind of hurts us. Think of a longing for children to walk into your classroom. I belong here. I'm valued the teacher's time. And I belong here. Your heart reaches out to the children. Thirdly, I love the ending where Jesus took them up in his arms. He put his hand on them and blessed them. And so the third point, or the third uh, need is that children feel secure. And I, I believe when they, when they have a sense of blessing, they feel secure. This troubles me when I think of this because I think of all the students that have been in and out of my room and the challenges that I have faced with them, and undoubtedly you have faced with students, how quickly our disposition toward them can be one of not really blessing because we're a little frustrated. And so the child walks in the room and he's not quite sure if, if the teacher's hand of blessing is on them. Not physically, possibly, of course, not always, but in your heart. Students can sense if your hand is on them and you have a sense of blessing or if they feel when they walk in that I think my teacher sighs when I walk in. I think from what happened yesterday, I'm not under the blessing. And I think of this so much more than I did uh, 31 years ago when I started teaching. I was young. I was 20 years old. I didn't think of that sense of blessing. But now as a father, having taught quite a few students, it impresses me more and more. The importance that I have that in my heart to just bless them rather than looking at all the frustrations they bring. The ones that are bringing the most frustrations are the one that needs your blessing the most and have a sense of walking under your grace. So these three things, being valued, belonging, and feeling secure, I think all builds a base of trust, which is at the bottom of all good relationships. Trust. Your students, if you don't know your students, they don't really walk, in, walk into the room with but so much trust. Of course, there's some. You taught them before. Might be a lot of trust. But if you're in a new school or a new teacher or new students to you, there's really no reason to trust. You're going to have to work hard to show I value them. You belong to me. You're secure. And we have that foundation of trust. From there, then, you can build healthy relationships. So just thinking a little more, what is your posture? Take some time to think about this, maybe after our little talk here. Have you thought about what is my position of trust? Am I willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Because really, every child, if I may use the word deserves, without thinking of entitlement here, every child deserves to have the hand of Jesus on their head and to be taken up into his arms and touched and loved. Maybe you're the one that's going to do that for students this year. Are you willing, beyond the books, to have a heart, enough of time, energy, and passion, and care to be the hands of Jesus? I'd like you to think of it. Like Christ has given you this ministry. Christ isn't here. You're here. 
Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus to love that child and to care about that child, bless that child? Are your arms open to the children? Now, obviously, you work with children that are too old that you're not going to take them in your arms and touch them in that way. But there is something about physical closeness that is powerful. And we as conservative people sometimes aren't, you know, we're not very touchy kind of people. Some of us are and some of us aren't. We need to be appropriate, of course. We're not giving everybody a hug when they come in the door. I realize that. But Jesus did. It says that, that they would touch them, that they would create a physical closeness. So even if you have high schoolers, there can be a physical closeness that is very appropriate. You need to be very careful with but that is powerful. There's amazing studies here. I read a book about this recently and it talked about businesses that really got a hold of this importance of physical closeness. And they found in the lunchroom when they took tables that were made for four people to sit around and they put larger tables in, eight people to sit around, eat their lunch, productivity went up. There was just a better feeling of well-being among the people because they were close. A lot of studies that talk about this offices that you work close to other people in an appropriate way but you kind of enter into the presence of each other so think about that with your students walking by their desk in a careful appropriate way but you're sort of entering their space i didn't say their personal space there's lines here of course but you're entering into their world showing they care about you and there are times to put a hand on the shoulder especially a man to a boy a lady teacher to a boy or a girl. You put the hand and just, you bless them. You're not praying a blessing per se, but you're, I'm so glad you're one of my students. You're doing great. Or, look like you had a hard day today. Wow, hope you have a good evening. Those are powerful ways to bless your students. And it means so much when you create that sense of physical closeness. Again, being very careful in every way you're appropriate. And I will just go ahead and say this, somewhat on the flip side. Men teachers, you do need to be extremely careful. I've come to believe that um, 20 to 25-year-old men teachers just have a a unique challenge in working with especially um, junior high girls. And that probably goes up through higher. Because, you know, those girls are young and they look up to you. And there can be something sort of exciting about your attention. Oh, be so careful with your own heart and be careful with any signals from them that you're not moving beyond what is appropriate. And that can happen so quickly. So on the other side, I do want to caution, especially a young teacher, but at all levels, all ages, we do need to be really, really careful with that. Now, maybe you are not the kind of teacher that feels comfortable with what I'm saying. Some of this, the, 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 the blessing, the closeness, the, the sense of, allowing them into your life. And I think there's a couple of reasons. Some of this is personality. I've worked with, of course, many teachers through the years with a large faculty here, about 12, and it's just fascinating to watch the difference. Some teachers are a little more stoic. They're very academic teachers. They are good in math and science. Everything is organized. The PowerPoints are just beautifully done. They know their stuff, and they teach very academic, very well. Listen, they're great teachers. But through the years, I have seen teachers that were not as effective as they could have been if they just would have given a little bit of their heart to their students. 
because as I worked with a student as an administrator, I heard sometimes, well, you know, we just really don't have any relationship. Students will actually share that sometimes. Good teacher, everything's in line, but it's hard to hear a teacher like that because it's kind of cold. So be careful if you're a teacher that's very academic, nothing against your personality, but go ahead and get out of your comfort zone. And you can't be like maybe somebody down uh, you know, the hall that's very flamboyant and very warm and very, you just don't feel comfortable there and that's okay. But try to move in that direction in a small way. Think of ways that you can at least do something rather than saying, well, this just isn't me. I just, you know, I just don't feel comfortable. Maybe make it a point that mornings you will be available. They walk in the door, you'll look at them, you will smile and you'll say their names. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. You just do something that's, that's still pretty safe. You're not getting that close. You're not really giving any amount of emotional support. You're just showing, I care about you. I value you. You belong to the classroom. I've had to tell struggling students that already, that really kind of tended to be out of the box. And sitting down with them and saying, you belong to this classroom. So you need to conduct yourself in a way that keeps you in the circle of, of the classroom, because we want you here. You belong here. Help fuel that sense of, I belong here, especially when students struggle with that. We'll talk about that a little more later. I think that's one reason. I think a second reason that we struggle with this sometimes, and that's simply the, the risk of rejection. Uh, you've all faced this if you've taught any amount, and you've tried to reach out to students, and you felt a certain amount of rejection. That hurts. Because the more you invest in people and the more you want to give people your heart or give people your heart, the more you care when you just sense that a certain amount of, um, they're not quite okay with it. And most of us teachers are pretty intuitive to that. And we're probably oversensitive. And we just realize we're not getting back. And so we tend to, to be safe, not need to take on that emotional pressure, just, all right, you know, after all, I'm a teacher. I'm not the parent. Check out my job description. This isn't written in there. You know what? It's probably true. It really isn't written in there because it's pretty hard to write in your job description. I encourage you in those moments to just focus on giving. Didn't Christ do that over and over and over? He just gave and gave, even when there was the modern term pushback. He still gave to those people. And, and to win the heart of those students who you feel that pushback from, really, those are the ones that need you the most. They're the ones that need you the most. It reminds me of a young man who said just the other day, who, who would signal to people that, you know, I don't like authority. He said this, please don't abandon me. Wow, that really struck me. Don't abandon me. So the ones who you maybe feel aren't receiving your desire to love and help them are the ones that you cannot abandon. And deep down in, they probably don't want you to abandon them and long for you to just carefully and graciously keep your arms open to them. Obviously, not overtly, or you can turn off children, I'm sure. Well, I'd like to look a little bit at the fears that your students might bring to school. This was in full display at my home this week and last week. We have seven children. 
My youngest is six. I guess she's the baby of the family. And just to, <laughs> to witness the, the excitement of going to school and 10 minutes later, oh, my belly hurts. I love my little daughter. I hope I'm not saying something I shouldn't about her. But in full display was a range of emotions, of excitement and fear. Teachers, do you realize how, um, how scary school can be to little people? And how intimidating you can be? That was pretty fascinating, if we're honest. Our students can intimidate us, right? I'm glad they don't know that. <laughs> At least don't know it fully. But we are intimidating to our students. They walk in. Please try to understand the fear in those little hearts, especially in younger students, but insecure children. They come with sometimes an amazing amount of trepidation. It doesn't take much to fuel that fear. So let's think about the home a little bit. I believe God has designed the home to be the perfect environment to meet the emotional needs of children. That's why many people homeschool. God created the heart of the little child to do best in the context of the home. Yes, I said that as an educator. Because God designed the home, not really the school. God designed the home and the church. In designing the home outside of the fall, there is the perfect environment for children's emotional needs to be met. So I encourage you to think about this. What's the home like? It's beautiful in its perfect uh, plan. The father, the mother, the love, the hugs, the you belong to me. I love you. Of course, we're not going to duplicate some of those things at school. But I encourage you to think about how can I sort of duplicate that environment at school, even though the components will be different, of course. How can I duplicate that sense of security, of belonging, of safety, and bottom line trust? So I'd encourage you to reflect on that. You walk into your classroom. How can I make this somewhat of a mirror? Because think about this. These children are waking up in the morning, especially these dear little children. They're with mom. They get around, out the door, and suddenly, they need to shift from that home environment, very, very safe. Mom, siblings, dad maybe. And suddenly, wow, a building they are very unfamiliar with. Unless, again, you're teaching people, again, that you taught before. I had the privilege of teaching some students, I believe, um, six years, many years ago in a different setting. So first days weren't at all like the first days are in larger schools. So it depends on your setting, I realize. But think of the fear that they might be bringing and the shift of environment from home to school. So what can you do to minimize that shift? So the transfer is easier. And think of this, teachers, a very humbling uh, truth. Parents are trusting you to pick up where they left off that morning. Are you worthy of that trust? No, you're not, and I'm not either. But as a father, I think of this more than I used to. I trust the teacher that teaches across the hall where I'm sitting now to take care of my daughter, but it takes trust. 
She has her fears in the morning, maybe a few tears. A wife brings her in, gives her over to the teacher, and walks out the door. Thank you, teacher, for picking up and creating an environment where she could have a good day. And sometimes students still don't, I'm not blaming. But you think of the trust that parents have when they drop the student off at your door. Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus? Will you love them? Will you continue the environment that was in the home? Will you continue to give love, affirmation, security, so they can continue growing and being nurtured and creating an environment in which, again, the math and science and all those good things, which are hard to do, can really happen effectively. I think you should never be amazed and humbled at the trust that parents are placing in you. Now, I want to acknowledge a few things. You possibly have students that come from very difficult places, is how I'm going to word it. Students that come from difficult places. Students that experience neglect and abuse bring a, a particular set of needs sometimes to your classroom. These children are very precious children. Some of them have suffered a lot. And in our school, we're, we're just blessed with a, a fairly large handful of students that bring some of those special emotional needs. So the ones that need us the most are the ones we often struggle with the most. It's often that one student or two that if they wouldn't be in the classroom, wow, my classroom would really be good. But you know, teachers, it's the ones that God says, be my hands and my feet, won't you? Can you just see the heart of Jesus wanting to touch that child and to bless that child? But he's not here. Will you do that for this child? And believe me, I do understand the frustration. I understand the anger that has flashed through me already in the moments of desperation of what is going on now. But to return our hearts to, I had this incredible opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus and maybe bring some healing that this child desperately needs. Because let me remind you, many of their emotional needs are not their own choosing. And the more I have thought about and read about and studied children, especially with neglect, but also abuse. There is a me-against-the-world emotional component that you will understand and see. Because if they were neglected, it was that survival mode that developed, that does not normally develop with children who were cared for properly. Because as they had a need, it was met by their mother or caretaker. When that's not done, it sets up an emotional pathway that I have to take care of myself. I have seen this in powerful ways in children. And to win their trust is extremely difficult. They're very guarded children. And let me just throw this in here. Those are the children that you're going to need to be careful with the spice you add to the classroom. Hey, tomorrow um, we have a surprise. You see the fear on their eyes just like that. It looks like they're a control freak. Guess what? They are. Because that's, that's what goes through their mind. What, what's happening? It's not safe. Can you connect that? Their past has made them feel the world is not safe. You can tell them all you want. 
I love you. The parents can allow them to stash as much food under the bed as they want. You can have the pantries chock full. They still grapple with trust. They don't understand why, but maybe you can. And rather than being frustrated, I just encourage you to love those children because that window of earning their trust is not very big. If that does not develop at some point, that usually is never redeemed. So as teachers, just have a huge heart for this, that, that we just take this opportunity to bless those children. If you don't have any like that, maybe you will down the road. I also want to acknowledge that there are children that come from dysfunctional homes. And I don't want to say a lot about this and tell a lot of stories about this because obviously these are real people. But I just want to, just want to mention that because when I said coming from this home environment, which I made very rosy, to your room, you know what? It might just be the opposite. Maybe you were sitting there saying, do you know? Yes, I do know. Unfortunately, I do know. And so I need to acknowledge that. There are dysfunctional homes, and it can be appalling. Those homes might be from settings you would have never guessed them to come from. And the longer you teach, the more you get a little window into the hurts that a child is bringing from home. Again, oh, that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. Can't you see the heart of Jesus that just wants to, to hug those children, to bless those children, because mom and dad aren't. Well, God's given you the incredible opportunity to, in a small way, you can never replace the parents. I know you can't. But to, in a small way, bring some healing and maybe some redemption. I just want to acknowledge that because those students bring their set of frustration as well. They may be very distant, very untrusting, very suspicious. Or maybe it's the opposite. They're very clingy. Because finally, maybe here's somebody who will love me. And they tell big stories and they're very insecure. And what looks like some proud, boastful stuff is actually just how they are coping with fears in their heart. You know, teachers, sometimes the most obnoxious students need you the most. And the ones that everybody gets tired of and the students just get frustrated with, you, you just need to love the most. And what a beautiful opportunity you have to help train your students how to relate to hurting people. Because hurting people hurt people. And often those children, if they're not healed, will go on to hurt other people. It takes a lot of wisdom to, to work, to, to think through this. You can't fix the problem. You're not the savior. And sometimes you might feel that desperation, I gotta fix this. No, you can't fix the problem. Well, somebody has to. Do the preachers know what's going on? I've been through this too many times. You just give it to the Lord over and over again. But look for the opportunities that God gives you to at least bring some healing to that, um, to that child. Well, just a, a few uh, pretty much last uh, things here. Your school culture, create a calm and peaceful environment. What more can you do for your students? Structured, and I'm gonna say predictable. I already talked about this, this thing of being predictable and not having all the surprises. And I'm not saying you can't ever do that, it's up to you. You know your students better than I do. But sometimes we do fall into this trap, especially new teachers, if there's any of you listening, that we just have to have all this excitement. 
you know, one, one fun thing a week or one exciting thing a week just to keep school going. I've said already, you know, by Thanksgiving, you're going to be tired of your students and your students will be tired of you. I have been impressed with this over and over again. Most students like a pretty predictable schedule. That's hugely different than teaching with passion and teaching well. I'm talking about structure and predictability. Most days, I would suggest you have a very predictable schedule and you do what you were supposed to do. You teach your classes. And don't think that the way to spice up school is to have all these things and after a while it's not spice, it's the main course. And it, 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 it does not work. It's stress on you and it's stress on students and in particular students, it's very distracting. So be fairly predictable. Teachers, the students are watching you. You have a beautiful example this year to create a culture in your room that teaches your students to love and care for each other. I hate to use this word because I'm so sick of it, but the COVID, I'm going to say it. <laughs> How you talk about the COVID and the doctors and the local law enforcement matters. Because if they hear you talk disrespectfully about Biden or Trump or anything COVID-related or any other thing, about cultures and people. In a tacit way, or not tacit, in a real way, you're committing to, uh, you're making your students wonder, does my teacher respect me? Maybe after school, my teacher laughs at me and mocks me. And it also can just set up a culture of just laughing at people in the room. Ah, so-and-so, ah, yeah, he's this way. We're gonna hurt our students if we do that. So model a carefulness we can't be too careful how we talk about cultures. Uh, obviously the pandemic, as I said, politics, people in general, handicapped people, on and on, that we show the grace and kindness that we wanna create in our classroom that they then can emulate as they relate to each other. It's all part of teaching them. Last of all, I just wanna to refer to one book um, and just suggest this book. It is called, Their Name is Today. And I'll give you a minute to grab a pen and I'll give it at the very end, the ISBN number. Somebody gave this to me. It's a fascinating book. Their Name is Today. It's fairly easy if you Google it. Reclaiming Childhood in a Hostile World. It says a couple fascinating things that I think you just, it's, it's worth your read. I'm gonna read one quick thing in closing here. Uh, this feels off the subject, but I have a reason for reading this to you. In Los Angeles, California, children of Google and Apple, executives, children of these executives, attend a Waldorf school. A Waldorf school, there's many of them, you can Google this. They are low-tech schools. Amazing. Google and Apple's children are going to low-tech or no-tech schools. If executives in the world of high technology choose a school that protects, forget this, protects their children from computers, other parents and teachers need to hear about it. Now, I do not read that to be a smack at computers and technology in your school, but I read this, number one, to just say one of the radical things in this book, but to say, teachers, no matter what setting you are in, the most important component in the classroom is you. It is not the curriculum, and it is not computers, because they don't have a heart. 
they can't be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can be. So God bless you this year as you endeavor to be the hands and feet of Jesus to your students. The ISBN number for this book is 978-087-486-6308. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Anthony, for this time. And I know for me in particular, uh, just the call to bless students and to have a posture of blessing towards them um, is just important for me thinking about my own children. So uh, thank you so much for that and for the book suggestion at the end. For more free resources that support teaching and learning, visit the docforlearning.org.